Bam 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 Hello everyone and no. welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less. Disdainfully sitting across from me is Miss Lisa Linky. All right then. <laughs> and sitting in my chair with my voice is Miss Misty Stinnett. Hello, love. Now, this is the podcast where we read and review a popular self-help book so that you don't have to. Fish and chips. <laughs> We uh, drink tea and we talk about the merits of the book, the demerits of the book, how uh, Claire Foy is doing in The Crown. You're a wizard, Harry. (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) And we tell you how we feel about it. The point is, we're reading the book so that you don't have to. I'm a chimney sweep, I am. So that if you're busy sweeping chimneys, you can go about your busy day and still sound well read and if you love what you're hearing please do support the authors it's a good bake cock me (laughs) (laughs) anyway hey oh boy oh we're loopy loopy baby looped up and loopy okay Mm -hmm. that's a thing lisa we're gonna dive right in uh as you may know longtime loyal listeners the lll's Mm-hmm. Really rolls off the tongue. <laughs> really, it really does. Oh Sorry. no! Why am I snorting so much when I'm laughing lately? Maybe because I'm laughing harder. I'm going to view it as a positive. Okay, you okay. do what you need to do. Lisa normally hates self help. I really love it. I want to. I'm eager to find a piece of advice that I can use to improve and streamline my life. That's where we are. <laughs> That's what's happening. Misty's. Misty's brain has floated up to the ceiling <laughs> I and was she up is till watching us. 3 a.m. What were you doing? Just being up. <laughs> <laughs> Browsing the internet. Okay, cool, 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 cool. I was up till about 1 a.m. playing Candy Crush. That feels right. <laughs> it feels very right. Um, <laughs> this is such a. <laughs> cool. I'm going to present a book. I'm going to present a book. Is anybody ready for that? Lisa, I'm ready. what book are you presenting today? <laughs> Great question. Call me off guard and I feel like I'm going to pee a little while. Great question, Misty. The book I'm presenting today is Get Your Life Together Ish, a no pressure guide for real self life growth. Nope. Real life self growth by Julia Delitt or Delitt. I don't know. Man, that is a mouthful. It is. Um, it was. Uh, it came out this year. 2019. Oh, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Cool. Hot off the press. This is one I got um, from the uh, gift card that Rob uh, Parks got for me from Barnes & Noble for my oh, birthday. Oh, I love that. It's really um, colorful and pretty. It's got like a bright mm-hmm. reddish pinkish cover and then it says, get your life together-ish in a uh, blue. In parentheses. Yeah, in like blue and lime green stuff. And then the tops of the pages are all red. I'm going to explain how this really book works exciting. to you. So the paperback is $14.31. The mm-hmm. Kindle is $10.99. You do get a $1.99 credit available at the time of recording. Mm. Um, and Audible is $17 narrated by Amanda Dolan. There is no hardcover okay. of this book. I've seen it's that a few times. 224 pages. Awesome. About the author, Julia Del- Delit. 
slash Delit, who knows, is a freelance writer. Tell it like it is. Thank you. A freelance writer <laughs> whose work has been published by BuzzFeed, Forbes, Self.com, Lifehacker, Brides, The Every Girl, Aptive, and more. She graduated from the University of Chicago with a master's in religion and literature and from Augustana College with a degree in English and political science. She lives in Des Moines, Iowa with her Husband. Des Moines? Nope, nope, Des Moines. With her <laughs> husband and two children. I almost read that with her two husbands and children. That feels great. <laughs> to find out more, visit jewelmarie.com, and that'll be in the show notes. Um, okay, this book is pretty cool. The contents are introduction, how to use this book. Oh. There's five chapters. Each has 10 challenges. The chapters are lifestyle, health, relationships, finance, and career, and then a now what section. Um, so I'm going to read the intro and read the, out, and read the how to it, uh, just because this book is structured with chapters or sections, and then 10 challenges within each um, section. Wow. And That's it a lot intros, of challenges. Well, an intro to each challenge, and they're each challenge has an easy, medium, and hard assignment of sorts within each. And some oh, even have, like, try this in addition to the assignment. So oh. um, uh, I'm going to read the intro to each section and chapter. I'm going to list the 10 challenges and cover just one or two challenges from each section in its entirety. Great. And briefly read, like, one easy, medium, or hard assignment just so you have a sense of, like, what's happening Great. here. So um, let me read you the intro. And it's very, like, brightly colored. Oh, yeah. The page you just opened up to is all royal blue. Yeah. Introduction. On a perfect day, I wake up around 5 a.m., meditate, and then sip on a glass of cold brew coffee while reading peacefully on the couch. I make it to work on time. I meet all my deadlines, pick up a happy toddler from daycare, and then practice yoga for an hour before breezily putting together a healthy dinner for the family. Before bed, I floss, fold a load of laundry, and then look at the number in my bank account with a satisfied smile. <laughs> I fall asleep with every item on my to-do list checked off, ready to take on tomorrow. And then in all caps, it says... Kidding! I kid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hold on. That really, it's so funny because when I, I don't think I've ever heard somebody really put it into that perspective and my eyes were getting wider and wider and wider. It just seems so impossible. Yeah, but also like a lot of these self-help books are like, I know. Mm -hmm. imagine your perfect day. What life really looks like. I hit the snooze on my alarm button three times in a row before taking a rushed shower. Yep. I put on mascara while bargaining with my son to eat his waffle. Then arrive five minutes late to a meeting. I delete the text appointment reminder from my dentist. Rewrite an errand from two months ago in a messy planner. Scramble to give the dog a walk after work. Eat leftovers for dinner. And lay awake until 2 a.m. wondering if my student loan debt will follow me to the grave. Oh. I'm willing to bet that you experience this type of disconnect, too. This feeling of being a few steps behind the type of person you always wanted to be. Mm. Here's what you need to know. Your life isn't an all or nothing problem to solve or, or or a thing to fix. Oh, I love her already. Exactly. Did you what did you think when you read that? I was like, "Yes, queen." <laughs> She says, you already know what is important, what's somewhat important, and what's not important to you at all. But you may want to make a few adjustments, and that's where this book can help. In this book, you'll find practical strategies to troubleshoot common lifestyle, health, relationship, finance, and career challenges. Each is broken down by difficulty level, so you can experiment to figure out what works best for you based on what you need. That's awesome. So if you're curious about cultivating a smidgen of self-improvement in your days, weeks, and months, and you want permission slips to be authentically perfect on the journey, this book is for you. So if you're ready, flip the page and let's start to get your life together-ish. Oh my God. Talk to me about hearing that. What is the difference for you in terms of like this versus other books? Uh, 
this seems to meet me where I'm at. Yes. Right? This is not going like, here's where you need to be. Get your shit together. This is going like, oh, hey, like you're you're doing great. Don't yeah. worry about it. It's not yeah. something to fix. But if there's a couple areas, maybe here's some suggestions. Yeah, take it, it or feels, leave it. Yeah, it feels very, it's it's not victim blaming and it doesn't feel holier than thou. Isn't that great? Already. So here's how to use this book. Using this book is easy and straightforward, and you can even customize it to fit your life and schedule. Pick a challenge, select a commitment level, easy, harder, medium, right. and then implement it. For each challenge, you'll find three difficulty levels because, let's face it, on some days, you may just want to make a small improvement. Mm, and on amen. others, you might be ready to grab the reins and make a lifestyle change. You can also use the try this exercises as a way to implement each challenge, whether the, through an activity, a reflection, or a journal exercise. Awesome. Each difficulty level requires a different level of commitment. Easy. These challenges need almost no preparation, take very little time, and can be done as often as you like. If you have time to scroll through Instagram, you have time for this option. Oh. Medium. Oh, I love her for thinking this out for us. Medium. These challenges require a bit more preparation, and they may require you to commit several days' worth of action to implement them fully. But overall, they won't be too taxing on your everyday life. Try this type of challenge when you want to address a specific habit, but also need some time to adjust and reflect before truly sticking with it for the long haul. Great. Hard. These challenges will take the biggest commitment of your time and effort. They will require planning and forethought to implement and are meant to be done when you are ready to make a new habit and incorporate it into your everyday life. With this one, you're all in and you're ready and willing to make a serious change. These challenges will also set you up to carry habits into the long term in order to potentially make a true change in your life. This book will also highlight familiar roadblocks that may rise up as you begin each challenge and offer ways to push past the excuses that could get in your way. Like when you start and your brain immediately says, well, I'd love to do this, but Mm -hmm. she says, trust me, it's going to happen. And I'm here to cheer you on as well as remind you to keep going. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sounds really nice. Yeah. It's it's, a friendly book. It seems very, very friendly. Okay. So uh, first is lifestyle. I'm going to read you the introduction. Great. This first part is intended to switch up certain elements of your lifestyle where you might be feeling a bit stuck. People often talk about making their life, quote, better. And while that word is incredibly subjective, you can indeed find ways to make your life a little bit better using some of these strategies. In this part, you'll learn how to become more of a morning person, get shit done, start journaling, and walk into the week with a positive attitude. It will discuss why repairing your possessions can lead to a sense of pride and ownership, why you need to avoid the busy trap at all costs, and why you absolutely have time to read a book. You'll also find tips for controlling your screen time addiction, making fun a regular part of your existence, and finding peace with what you like and dislike so you can focus on being who you are and living a life you're proud of. So here's my question. What if um, like reading books for a podcast yep. is like part of your busy trap? Well, what I love is that she you get to choose what works for you in this book. Mm. And maybe for that, you'll just do the easy challenge, which if you have time to scroll through Instagram, you can think about it. Mm-hmm. So here are the 10 challenges in this section. I'm ready. And remember, each challenge has an easy, a medium, and a difficult yes. task. Yes. So um, here are the 10 challenges. Wake up earlier. Get shit done. Start a journal. Skip the Sunday scaries. Repair instead of replace. Stop being, quote, so busy. Read more. Be intentional with screen time. Have fun. And make peace with who you're not. So, oh, oh, mm-hmm. I love that last so one. So I'm going to uh, read 
the entire section of Skip the Sunday Scaries. Great. And read the medium challenge from Stop Being So Busy. Okay. Okay. And does she explain what the Sunday Scaries are? Yeah. Great. So the Sunday Scaries is number four, challenge number four. And I've already marked it. (laughs) Challenge number four, Skip the Sunday Scaries. On Sunday nights, I used to feel an immense sense of dread, obligated, mildly depressed, unproductive, like everything ahead was going to be challenging and awful. I would toss and turn in bed, watching the minutes tick by, and ultimately wake up the next day exhausted and in a cranky mood, as though my predictions had come true. Now, for the most part, I felt rested and ready. I look forward, uh, she, sorry, now for the most part, I feel rested and ready. I look forward to Sundays as a soft entrance to a fresh new week, and when the following day arrives, I'm someone who actually doesn't have a case of the Mondays. How did this happen? Several years ago, I decided to change my attitude around the beginning of the week. I turned Sundays or even Saturdays, if I really got ahead of the game, Mm. into organizational days with a heavy dose of rest, and Mondays consequently shifted to do the bare minimum days. As a result, I no longer experienced the so-called Sunday scaries on a regular basis. I looked forward to the week ahead with minimal stress, and here's how you can do the same. So I think I'm just going to read the... um, uh, I'm going to read the intro to like the challenges here, and then I'm going to read another uh, challenge in its entirety. So the easy one is figure out what you need to do and tailor your Sunday to it. The difficulty is easy. Mm -hmm. The medium is look at your week ahead and categorize the days, which was kind of cool. Like um, basically how much do I have and is this going to be a high energy day, a medium energy or a low energy day? Oh, like predicting how you'll feel? Yes. Like, okay, it's Thursday. Right. And I've got this deadline, so I'm going to be drained. Yes. Actually, I'll read this one because it's kind of short. So she says, people tend to ask me how I, quote, do it all. Two responses. I don't even try to do it all. And also time management. I strive to be as efficient as possible, at least in terms of managing my top priorities. I don't work nonstop or live a ridiculously structured life with no wriggle room, but I do categorize my days. At the beginning of each week, I look at each day to determine how much I have going on and how that might impact my energy levels, health, family, or capacity. For example, if I see that Tuesday and Wednesday are full of meetings at the office, but the rest of the week is pretty clear, then that means I need to take it easier on myself at home toward the front of the week. Mm. Similarly, most nights I dive into writing assignments after my son goes to bed, but at least a few times a week I need to let myself off the hook so I don't completely crash and burn. Yes, That's why on Monday nights I intentionally do whatever I can to wind down in a way that's relaxing or full of self-care. I don't do anything strategic or creative on Mondays. Determining the mix between hustling and backing off is key. And on Sundays, I found value in looking at the week ahead with the perspective of, okay, based on everything I know, what do I need to do to be successful and sane? That is really cool because it it seems like in doing that for a couple of weeks, you'd really be finding out some accurate self-appraisal. Yeah. Right. Having a better sense. Yeah. Because I think I'm always like, oh, I can get all this stuff done and not thinking like, well, I crashed and burned on Tuesday last week. Why? Yeah. Or like when I every time I think of this is Sarah will be like, you're so dumb because I'll be like, I can pack my entire three story town home in like three hours by myself. And she's like, no, you're a fucking idiot. I have to organize (laughs) a packing party. The hard one is set a goal for the end of the month and use each Sunday to help you get there. So basically practicing a larger goal and break it down into sections. Sure. Okay. And then the one that I'm going to read, I did just read, but you guys are getting a boner bonus, is (laughs) under the challenge. (laughs) Stop being so, quote, busy. Oh, please. Please tell me I want this challenge. Well, the medium difficulty level challenge is don't check your phone today. 
Misty's eyes got wide and she froze. Moving Wait, away, but like, what about work? Well, here, moving away. That's medium? Mm-hmm. That should be a difficult one. Moving away from the busy trap isn't just an exercise in learning to say no. It's a chance to make space for yourself through thoughtful boundaries. Doing this might feel a little selfish or strange, but it is a necessary act of self-care. Not checking your phone for a day releases you from the unnecessary obligations and often self-imposed commitments it generates. This challenge is all about you reclaiming your time and clarifying your priorities. It may be more difficult for some people than others, and to accomplish it, you may need to create some rules, such as creating a password for family members to use if there's an emergency, only reading emails from work on your current project, and so on. Putting yourself and your priorities first is not an easy task. However, and I respect the people in my life who model this behavior. My friend Jenny, for instance, doesn't check her phone during the day. She's intentional about her priorities and doesn't rearrange her life or schedule at the sound of a text message. So much of our busyness is self-imposed by the desire to look good, appear useful, avoid disappointing others, or trying to seem like a good friend or nice person. None of those are good reasons to do anything. For one day, put your phone and the busyness it generates aside and just focus on what you need or want to do. The world and all its pressure and commitments can wait. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Can I uh, tell you what I did this last week? Yeah. Along this line, uh, I deleted the Instagram app from my phone Mm -hmm. and I stopped wearing my Apple Watch. Yeah. Which notifies me constantly. It's, you know— any anytime there's a ring doorbell alert in my neighborhood or I get a text message or a reminder comes on screen. Or it's or, time to stand up. Exactly. And uh, I just needed a, a break. I was feeling a little bit, you know, torn in a million directions and scatterbrained. And I have just those two changes. And I didn't delete my Instagram account. I'll be back, you know, but I just needed a reset and I needed it to not be easy for me to go on there. I can still log into my computer if I need to. Um, I just needed a break and I felt so much better by doing that. And that wasn't even like a whole day. That was just like, let me decrease the amount of notifications coming in. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's really interesting. You set a boundary. I set a boundary. I'm very proud of you. Okay. Section two, health. Okay. Here are, uh, I should read the So the first one was lifestyle. This one's health. Yeah. Okay. Part two, health. If a silver bullet solution existed for health, then I wouldn't be writing this section, Mm -hmm. and the entire healthcare industry would cease to exist, along with the millions of books and articles and experts out there, because everyone would be, well, healthy. Mm -hmm. Of course, the reality is that human beings get sick and injured all the time, and while medicine and technology have improved vastly in the past few centuries, people will still continue to get sick to some degree. You can approach everything, quote, right in terms of health and still run into health challenges. Yeah. Which may seem fatalistic. I mean, nobody lives forever, so you might as well eat buckets of French fries, smoke a pack a day, and stay up late every night and never move your body, right? Well, maybe not. However, I do believe health is wealth, and there are certain basic activities or strategies that best serve nearly everyone in the long run. In this part, you'll learn about practicing yoga and meditation, finding time to work out, eating less sugar and drinking more water, getting enough sleep, and meal planning. Mm. We'll also talk about the importance of knowing your health history appreciating your body and defining what self-care looks like for you Mm. here are the 10 challenges practice yoga meditate find time to work out eat less sugar drink more water go to bed on time pack your lunch know your health history appreciate your body and create your own definition of self-care oh those last two are awesome i know yeah yeah so i mean she's kind of a little bit in like the normal like Eat less sugar and drink more yeah, water. Yeah, sure. Um, but are the challenges 
pretty interesting there. Well, she talks about, so for each challenge, there's a brief intro as well. And she talks mm-hmm. about how she started practicing yoga um, when she was a graduate student full-time in Chicago and that how that really helped. And then eventually she ended up teaching yoga. So oh, wow. she talks about that. But we're going to do um, an easy exercise Great. from the meditation challenge Great. here in the episode oh, wow. with everybody. Okay. So I'm going to read it. It's called Take Five Intentional Breaths. Breathing exercises seem sort of silly at first. I mean, we all breathe. Otherwise, we wouldn't be alive. Why does it need to be practiced or observed or explored? Because most of the time, many of us breathe shallow, short breaths. Mm -hmm. And that sort of inhale and exhale pattern doesn't do much more than keep your body functioning at a bare minimum. Mm -hmm. When you play around with different breath patterns, you can feel how your body adapts and reacts. You can learn to control your breath, slow it down or speed it up, and use it as a tool to counteract feelings of fight or flight all of which proves plenty helpful in busy lives, relationships, and health-related matters. I first tried counting intentional breaths in the yoga class, though I was familiar with the general concept around taking deep breaths amid stressful moments. It's essentially the same concept. You count to one on your inhale, then count to one on your exhale. You count to two on your inhale, then count to two on your exhale. Work your way up to the count of five, and most importantly, go as slow as possible. Allow your breath to make noise. You can even place your hands on your belly to feel it rise and fall or close your eyes to avoid distraction. Use this exercise at any moment in any location for any situation where you feel overwhelmed or like you need to pause or hit the reset button. And almost every time, you'll probably discover that you feel a little more in control, a little calmer as a result. Breathing for five seconds doesn't eliminate life problems, but it does give your mind a chance to back off from a negative thought pattern or stop freaking out about something. And in a physical sense, it sends oxygen to your parasympathetic nervous system to reduce the amount of cortisol in your blood, which minimizes stress and panic. I just did it while you were reading (laughs) that, and I feel better. Yeah. So I have uh, talked about this a lot, and whenever I travel and do my... um, Improv workshops and whenever I do my uh, executive presence or presentation training. Mm -hmm. And I teach a different one called square breathing, which Lizzo just posted, but it's great. Oh, yeah. So wherever you are, don't close your eyes if you're driving. You don't have to close your eyes. But if you are in a place you want to close your eyes, you can. And I'm just going to talk us through. If you can, um, if you're laying down, that's fine. And also, nice work. Making yourself comfortable to hear us. If you're sitting in your chair... That's fine. If you want to put your hand on your belly, that's great. Just remember that the structure of your body, that rib cage, is protecting your lungs and your heart, which are vital organs to your uh, survival, aliveness. Mm -hmm. But because your lungs are trapped in a cage, moving your shoulders to breathe does absolutely nothing. Despite all my rage, I am still just a lung in a cage. Exactly. So your lungs actually inflate downwards towards your hips. So when you inhale, think about pushing your belly forward. So Mm -hmm. if you rest your hands on your belly and you breathe in through your nose, if you notice your shoulders going up, you're moving for no avail. It does not increase the size of your rib cage at all. And if if you were lying down and I asked you to breathe in deeply, you would not move your shoulders at all. Mm. It's very interesting. interesting. Your belly would just naturally go up. So think about your lungs inflating downwards. And when when you exhale, they're... um, going up into your chest again. So uh, everybody take a deep breath in and blow out. And here we go. Hands on your belly. Deep breath in. Count to one. Exhale. One. Deep breath in. To two. Exhale. Two. Make nice loud noise. Breathe in three. 
Exhale, three. The people on the bus are staring. That's fine. Deep breath in, four. Nice, slow. Exhale, four. Deep breath in, five. Exhale, five. If you're feeling lightheaded, that's okay. Mm. It's because we normally breathe so shallowly yeah. that you're actually just experiencing a contact high off of oxygen, and that's perfectly that's fine. so funny. I also kept thinking, like, there's no way I can breathe in four. Three was my max, and then it was yeah. there. That's cool. So I took a class in breathing once when I was at a spa, and it mm. was the most helpful class I've ever taken. Voice class is basically all about the breath yeah. and having a nice loose belly and yeah. breathing into that. And it's like you, you can't be dropped into your breath and not be aware of your emotions. It's It's really amazing. And also just that you 100%, we are like, (sighs) we're just constantly kind of panting with with anxiety. So you can do that anytime, anywhere. Great. Beautiful. It's really lovely. And then I want to read about making your own definition of self-care, which this was just so freaking novel. Really? Yes. Challenge number 10, create your own definition of self-care. What comes to mind when you think about self-care? Let me guess. Some version of treat yourself, including Face masks. Mm-hmm, bubble baths and rose, roses and glasses of wine and big bowls of ice cream and mm. expensive massages. Maybe all of those things sound absolutely wonderful and you can't wait. Or maybe you're more into the nap scene with a side of Cheetos and no emails to answer. Or maybe you like the concept of self-care, but you certainly don't have the funds or the time or the lifestyle or the energy to indulge all that. To oh, which I said, thank you. Thank you. The funds and the energy. Th- or the li- Thank you. Yeah, right? Oh, my God. She says, I've been there. For something so seemingly straightforward, self-care can be sort of confusing, especially if you're always looking for a picture-perfect moment or feeling. Instead, I think it's useful to determine your own definition of self-care so you can build out certain tactics and behaviors to use when you're needing a little love. She says, we'll dive into how you can craft that definition as well as how you can schedule it into your ongoing routine. Oh, thank you. So the easy challenge is figure out what self-care means to you. Nice. Um, the Which medium your prompt to walk you through that? Uh, yeah. Um, you, you know, she's like, your definition may change over the mm-hmm. course of a year and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it but, could just be quiet breathing for 20 minutes. That's right. That's right. And right. you might need more or less of it in a given uh, in a period, given yeah. period. Exactly. Right. Um, so the medium challenge is pick one self-care activity to do. Okay. And the hard challenge is schedule self-care as an essential. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a cannot be missed appointment. That's right. Yeah. Great. So section three is relationships. Mm. She says, therapist Esther Perel calls love and <gasps> affirmation and a transcendence of who we are, an ideal that rests on two pillars, surrender and autonomy. In Mating in Captivity, she writes, today we turn to one person to provide what an entire village once did, yeah. a sense of grounding, meaning, and continuity. Perel's work focuses on how committed romantic love can be a place of great security and adventure, but at the same time, she acknowledges that our relationships with friends, kids, communities, parents, coworkers, and all kinds of other people in our lives are also valuable, meaningful, and complicated. She says, I'm no relationship expert, but I believe our connections to each other form the foundation of who we are, who we want to be, and who we become. 
Mm-hmm. My relationships, both past and current, serve as the source of my greatest joys and lowest lows. In this part, we'll dive into some of the most impactful and useful lessons I've learned, as well as how you can begin to make tiny tweaks in some of your relationships to continue to grow as an individual. We'll talk about the importance of honesty, how to stop keeping score and be a better listener, why asking for and accepting help is so difficult, mm. forgiveness and responsibility, and staying true to yourself. Oh, Wow. And and we haven't covered any of Esther's books, uh, Esther's Perel's books on the podcast yet, but she is a fucking genius. And if you want to have your mind blown, just Google her TED Talks. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay, great. Please do that. Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe you'll hear her coming up. Maybe, maybe we can. I don't know. Okay. Um, for challenge number three, be a better listener. Mm. The medium challenge was single task instead of multitask. Oh, wow. Yes. Just to train your brain? Well, she's like, you know, the studies show nobody is good at multitasking. We think we are, but um, you're half-assing each thing you're trying to do instead of whole-assing, right? Mm Whole-assing. So... She says, on average, the University of California distraction expert, Gloria Mark, says that it takes about 25 minutes to return to your original task after an interruption. Woof. And when you're multitasking, you're basically interrupting yourself over and over. Woof. Woof is right. She says, it's also ridiculously apparent when someone is multitasking right in front of you, whether he's typing away on a laptop while nodding emphatically or she's listening to you with a dead-eyed expression. Like right now. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So the challenge is this week practice single tasking in every interaction, meeting, or conversation. If you're on the phone, keep your mind focused on that. If you're making dinner, stop simultaneously cleaning the kitchen and reading your email. Come up with a phrase to keep you on track, such as one thing at a time, slow down, pay attention, or my personal favorite, eye contact. Um, <gasps> which, you know, <coughs> bless you. Excuse me. Bless you. Scream sneeze. Scream sneeze, which also I thought, you know, when we talked about the upside of your dark side, this constant focus on mindfulness is too hard for our brain. It is too hard for our brain, but I, this sounds like it's like the balance in between, right? right? She's not saying be mindful necessarily of everything, but like that's right. just do one thing at a time. That's right. That's cool. I'm going to read you challenge number five, forgive someone. Ugh. Did I read you what the challenges were? No, I didn't. In relationships, the 10 challenges she makes in this section, tell the truth, stop keeping score. Be a better listener, which we mm. just covered the medium challenge. Ask for and accept help. Forgive someone. Take responsibility. Learn how to apologize. Stay curious, not furious, which is my new catchphrase. It's so great because you're always saying, can we just get curious, curious about that? But now you can be like, don't be furious. Stay curious, not furious. Yes. Listen to your gut mm-hmm. and don't lose yourself. Those are the 10 don't challenges in relationships. Yourself. So challenge number five, forgive someone. She talks about how she was in this on-again, off-again relationship with a person and that after they finally took a break, she saw him walking down the street with a woman that they both worked with and who he swore up and down was just a friend. No. And she says, you can imagine where this is going. Long story short, all that time they weren't just friends and I didn't learn the truth until many years later. She says, this man and I hurt each other in so many ways, but that very specific detail, that image of them two walking closely down the street stuck with me for an exceptionally (sighs) long time as something I couldn't forgive, couldn't get over, even as our story eventually ended after we both moved on to happier and healthier relationships. And holding on to that righteous resentment did me exactly zero favors. 
So she's like, forgiveness matters. So the easy challenge is forgive someone who hurt you. I love that that was the easy challenge. That's not easy. Well, it and isn't. What is, does that include, does she specify, does this mean going up to the person and saying, I forgive you? Does this mean just in your heart forgiving them? Like, what does that look like? So she talks about how... Um, uh, she talks about how for her wedding, her grandparents were nowhere to be found. They were supposed to walk her down the aisle. A friend finally like found them. Um, during the reception, she could not find her grandma. She was complaining about the heat. Her grandpa said one thing to her that she should cover up a little based on the V-neck of her gown. And she said, it's not like I had a historically negative relationship with my grandparents, but for whatever reason, they dropped the ball and did not show up for me in the way that I expected. I love on them with all my heart. Day? But they not only pissed me off, but completely disappointed me. And she said, I remembered how mad and hurt I felt. And those emotions sunk their claws into my heart and just directly impacted our relationship. She says, then one day it mattered a little less and a little less and a little less. And finally, I chose to forgive them. Not because I didn't care about the way that they acted, because it didn't feel worth holding on to anymore. Mm. She says, think about someone who hurt you and consider what it would be like to forgive that person. Tell them in a person, tell them in person or in an email, phone call or text, or merely practice forgiving the person over and over again until you start to let it go. I know forgiveness is not easy. It is not. But ultimately, I've learned you can't control other people. You can only control how you react to them. So I she, know. She has a try this. So, oh, so much resistance is coming up to this. But yes. I get it. Sure. She has a try this. Actively think of one person you need to forgive. This may be someone in your present or from your past, a stranger or a loved one. Write down the person's name on a piece of paper along with what she did to harm you. Say out loud, I forgive you and take a deep breath. Do this a couple times and burn, tear up, or throw away that paper as an act of letting go. So like these are very simplistic, right? But I think it's just, that's an easy thing of just like thinking about it or writing a letter, right? It doesn't mean that your forgiveness right, is going right, to happen. right, right. The medium difficulty level is release a grudge, major or minor. And the hard difficulty level is forgive yourself for a time you messed up. Oh, shit. Wait, how do you release a grudge? Um, She's like, uh, either let it go. Either speak up and tell the person you're holding a, gr a grudge against exactly how they've injured you or decide to release the hurt on your own and move on. Neither option is easy and both can be fraught with potential pitfalls. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't really say how. But she's saying, which I'm glad. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like that's if it, maybe you need therapy to do that. Maybe you yeah. you know, maybe you need help and maybe you know best how to do that. Right. Is it by journaling? Is right. it by talking to the person? Right. So in a sense, I kind of liked that she didn't, but also there's weakness in that. Yeah. Because if you're like, I don't know how to do that. But again, it is in the title. Get your life together-ish. Yeah. She's not an expert. She's just saying, here are 10 things, right? Right, okay. Okay, let's move. Um, oh, wait, I do want to do the easy challenge. Listen to your gut. Oh, great. Listen to your gut. Sounds like you really responded to this book, Lisa. It's so practical, Patty. Yeah. It's so practical, but Patty. It, but it also feels inclusive. It's Yes, that's exactly what I think I responded to. It's you, inclusive. You seem really you receptive to what she's saying. And also, she's not breaking new ground. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She's just kind of like, here are things. I think it's directed towards a younger um, age set. Okay. And there isn't anything in here that I was like, oh, wow. Right, right, right. right. Um, but also I was just kind of like, okay. You know, and mm -hmm. I liked how she did it in challenges. Yeah. That you yeah. could pick. It yeah. wasn't like, you have to be so detailed in your vision. No, you I have to that's see what that I mean purse. about inclusive is like, what is, what's going on for you in your life? Exactly. Yeah. So the challenge, listen to your gut. Um, 
she says, think about someone you trust and how that trust makes you feel. Oh. Mm-hmm. She says, part of the work around listening to your gut involves understanding what trust feels like with yourself or with someone else. From the first day I met my husband, I trusted him wholeheartedly, which is something I didn't experience in any of my previous relationships. I felt a sense of ease and belonging I couldn't quite articulate. I didn't have to pretend or impress or perform. It wasn't love at first sight, but he felt like home. Wow. She says, there's no formula that works for everyone, but the more you identify people and situations that do bring forth this sense of, mm, yes, uh, the more you can practice tuning into those types of feelings. And that means you'll be better equipped to notice when your gut instinct feels off because it'll be distinctive. Wow. So she says, today, think about a specific person you trust and find trustworthy and write down a list of words you associate with that person in terms of how being around him or her makes you feel. That's a really nice challenge. Here's the try this. She says, distinguish how it feels between when you trust someone and how it feels when you don't. Mm -hmm. Find a piece of paper and fold it in half. On one side, list all the ways your heart, mind, and body respond when you're around someone you trust. This might include words or phrases like the following. Calm, at ease, peaceful, happy, full of clarity. On the opposite side, write down how it feels when you don't trust a person or situation. Mm -hmm. Maybe words like anxious, restless, lethargic, uncertain, and sick come to mind. Mm -hmm. Use this piece of paper when you need a quick gut check. Great. So I like that there's a, I mean, that's so practical. Uh, I love that you can keep it with you. Yeah. Like a reference sheet. If you don't trust your own gut, because if you feel like you've been duped or you feel like you've made bad choices. Or you just know you're in an emotionally volatile place and not thinking clearly or you're not sleeping or yes, whatever. Yes, exactly. It's oh, so smart. Oh, I love that. So here we're on to next to the last section, finance. She says, I didn't grow up in a family with a ton of money, but we had enough. We also didn't talk about finances very much, which I later realized influenced my entire attitude around this topic Mm. as a conversation to be avoided unless absolutely necessary. As a young adult, I fell squarely into circular camp of naivete, right? Yep. I said it right? Yeah, you nailed nailed it. it. I didn't think I knew, quote, enough, whatever that means, about finances, which made me feel stupid, so I avoided learning more until I dug myself into a hole of credit card and student loan debt. Oh, God. Um, so she felt like it was too impossible to pay off. Um, and then she's like, eventually the desire to develop better money smarts wore out. And she's like, money, whether you have a little or plenty or not enough, evokes emotion. And your financial skills often depend on a constellation of experiences. Mm-hmm. How you were raised, yep. how your parents handled money, yep. the reality of your paycheck over the years, the amount of debt you have or lack thereof, job security, and more. Yeah. So here are the challenges in finance. Pay off a debt. Build an emergency fund. Mm. Donate on a budget. Look at your paycheck. Take a cash-only approach. Mm -hmm. Experiment with delayed gratification. Plan for the unexpected. Cut down recurring expenses. Understand your money behaviors and live within your means. Wow. So I'm going to talk about the easy challenge. I can't believe she covers all that in one section because there are books that are entire books. Yeah. But again, these are just kind of like challenges. So – yeah, so she does the intro, and then it's just challenges? So the, Yes, and each challenge has its little intro, right? right? So she talks about how um, pay off a debt. I love it. It's so action item Yeah, yes, which I think it's speaks just to like, me hey, and strategy. hey, let's touch on this, and then bam, we're into the step. My strategy brain. Love oh, God, this. I love it. So challenge number one, pay off a debt. She says, when I moved to Chicago in 2008, I had zero credit card debt. Four years later, I left with 10000 Oh. She says, you might be thinking, holy irresponsibility. Yep. Or maybe you're frantically checking your own credit card statement, feeling all the bad feelings. Mm -hmm. Been there. Either way, when this happened to me, I did not immediately create a budget or cut up my cards or tell a friend or seek money management advice or consider my money habits or feelings in general. Right. I just avoided the problem and assumed that one day I'd be able to pay it off. Right. And she's like, I did eventually. 
but not because I buried my head in the sand until my fairy godmother waved her wand and cleared my balance. Chipping away at this debt took several years of hard work based on hundreds of tiny proactive financial decisions. Right. So um, here's the easy challenge. Don't spend a dime today. She says, okay, maybe this won't exactly be easy, but it is definitely the least painful way to glance at your spending habits and see if there are ways you could possibly make adjustments. Yeah. Can you make coffee at home? Can yes. you can you make a lunch from your yes. from yesterday's dinner? Exactly. Yeah. Don't spend any money for one day outside necessary bills, pre-scheduled payments, or absolute necessities. Every time you think about buying something or spending money, ask yourself if it could wait until tomorrow. Again, there's no need to deprive yourself of anything you need, but see if you could cut it down to the bare minimum. It's really interesting. Then track what you would have spent. Mm-hmm. For example, that's going to be scary. I do a no spend day at least once once a month, if not more. And one of my recent lists looked like this: coffee, two dollars. Remember, she lives in Des Moines. Uh-huh. Sandals for an upcoming vacation, fifty. Lunch, ten. Donation to a coworker's baby shower, ten. Fresh tomatoes for dinner recipe, five. Diapers, twenty-five. Instead, I brought coffee from home, paused on the sandals till I had a discount code to use next month for my birthday, uh-huh. uh, scraped together leftovers in a brown bag, decided right. to donate to the shower on my next payday since I technically have time to wait, made the recipe using canned tomatoes out of my pantry at home, and used up remaining diapers at home before picking more up. And then I put an additional 102 toward my student loan bill just like that. Wow. Of course, that scenario is based on the privilege of having a, quote, spare $102 to spend. Thank you for fucking saying that. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. But in my head, if I already intend to spend that sum on all these other little, quote, wants, I might as well put it toward debt. Well, and I guess the, my uh, my one logic problem with that is like, okay, so she waited till the next paycheck to pay for the shower. But like, if you look at your yearly expenses, that's the same expense, whether it's, it it's is. now or it next is. Paycheck. If she's spending it today versus next week, yeah. but instead of spending that 25 today, she yeah. put it towards paying off her debt. She spent the so same So it's just 25. a way to trick yourself into moving your money a little bit. It it's is. not that you're necessarily, like, did she save on coffee? Yes. Did she save on the sandals? Yes. There's tangible she's, benefit there. She's still yeah. spending the money. Yeah. She's just putting the things that she could put off in a week or whatever, yeah. Or, yeah. or like a discount or save yeah. more towards paying off her debt today. Yeah. And just seeing what she would have, like I've done, I've done the no spend day yeah. and then I sort of add up maybe what I've saved. Yeah. But I've never thought about then paying something off with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love that she fucking acknowledged her privilege. Thank you. Yes. Cause it's not, not everybody can go out and buy a morning coffee period. Yeah. Um, the next challenge is building an emergency fund, and I just want to read what she wrote about please, it. Please, please, because we've heard different ways to do this. I've always been told that you need to have three to six months of living expenses in an emergency fund. That's what, quote, they say anyway. <laughs> Here's what I want to know. Who are, quote, they? Thank you. What world are they living in? Because mm-hmm. in my experience, saving for an emergency is like watching your sink leak. Drip, drip, drip. It can slowly add up to a puddle and then a small dish, maybe even a stock pot. But man, it takes a long time. Also, what constitutes living expenses? Rent, electricity, water and food? What about daycare costs? A car accident? A surprise hospital bill? A DIY home project that ends up being much more expensive than anticipated? Finally, let's say you do bill up some sort of emergency fund. Do you ever touch it? She says, clearly I have a lot of questions, but mostly because I love the security blanket emergency fund can provide. Yeah. So here's my favorite. The the easy challenge is decide why an emergency fund matters to you. Oh, never just the that. why. Yeah. 
She's like, because I don't want to have to pay even more when a disaster strikes by putting it on credit cards and paying interest rates. What it is. So she said peace of mind. uh Uh After she graduated college, she kept five hundred dollars in her savings account. And she thought that was decent um, until she had to move out of an apartment unexpectedly due to a breakup. Oh, God. And then she was like, and then I needed another apartment because I couldn't make rent. And then my car got towed three times in six months. <gasps> and I had no funds to help me handle these situations. So I relied on my parents, my grandparents, my trusty credit card to pay for breaking a lease. A car getting towed is so expensive. That's right. She says, I'm beyond grateful that I had such support from family members and access to credit. Not everyone has backup options like that. Thank you. But it was terrible. And so then she says, that's why an emergency fund matters to me. It's a sense of security. Yes. For you, it may be a different reason. Cash set aside for a true emergency like a car accident. A fund that can support you in a particular situation like if you lose your job. Or simply money in the bank in case you need to make a major purchase like buying a new refrigerator. Mm-hmm. When you know why you want to set some dollars aside, it becomes easier to take the steps to do it. Yes. So take some time today and write down a few reasons why having money set aside is important to you. I love that. Yeah. And then her medium challenge is automate your savings and her hard challenge is set a savings goal. Great. But I was like, oh, yeah, don't just tell me. Yeah. I mean, they do they do say for job loss. But but I I love I love saying that going a step why and saying because. Yeah. Or like if you are a person who has financial means. You still need an emergency savings fund. Yes. Why? What is your why? Exactly. Yeah. I need an emergency fund to cover my bills if this happens. Or why? So that right? I can stay in the home that I love. Whatever it yeah. is. Right? Yeah. Is it, and is it attached to an emotion? Is right. it the security blanket? It always is. You know what I it mean? It always is attached to So home. the last part is career. Awesome. She says, I've been in the working world for a decade, which means there's still plenty of career lessons left for me to learn. Mm. At the same time, I've explored different industries and types of jobs, worked with all sorts of people across the Midwest, earned promotions and raises. That's also probably why I like it. It's very Midwestern. And shifted <laughs> into management. I consistently ask colleagues and friends for advice regarding how they handle their own paths. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate anyone willing to share their insights gleaned from their work, whether it's related to various occupations, side hustles, teams, supervisors, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And then she says, I'll cover the topics that have been most instrumental for my own career journey. And here are the challenges in career. Own your talent. Take criticism seriously, but not personally. Okay. Avoid burnout. Seek creative challenges. Don't be the brilliant jerk. Ask for more. Invite feedback. Take no shortcuts. Rethink your approach to mentorship and lead with integrity. Wow. Um, I am going to read Avoid Burnout. At work, it's common to talk about how busy you are, as if it's a badge of honor. You're exhausted. You answered your emails till midnight. You haven't taken a day off all year. I used to envy those coworkers who darted from meeting to meeting with an ever-packed calendar, who walked into every room texting furiously, laptop and notepad and coffee in hand. They seemed so important. Some of that picture I just painted is completely normal and unavoidable, especially the more you advance in your career. And finding balance looks different for everyone. But the older I get, the more I see that all that rushing around is the precursor to burnout. Yes. Workplace burnout isn't simply a random bad day. It's an extended period of stress with very physical, real, mental, and emotional consequences. Yes. Noticing the symptoms can help you avoid it, as well as how to figure out the best way to set boundaries as a whole. So the easy is identify your warning signs. Mm -hmm. The medium is establish some boundaries. Great. And the hard is be proactive. I love that identify your warning signs. Yeah. That feels really important. Yeah. And then I want to read the easy challenge on seek creative challenges. Great. 
Um, Start a podcast she, in your thank spare you. time. She talks about how when she was little, if if her sisters and she told their mom that they were bored, she would wave her hands and say, if you're bored, you're boring. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Meaning I find love something her. to do, right? Yeah. So the easy challenge is pursue one what-if thought. One thing I admire about my husband is his eagerness to explore new skills. He's the type of person who'll wake up at 3 a.m. thinking of ways to solve a coding problem. He honors his what-if thoughts and inspires me to do the same. And he's also taught me that this type of thinking can show up in many ways. For example, I once worked with a team of marketing folks, and we kept running into the problem of identifying publication channels. I remember thinking, I wish we had a database of all those newsletters that everyone could access. I brought it up to some leaders and asked what they thought, and they agreed, yeah, sounds great. This type of task wasn't in my job description, nor did anyone request that I personally make it happen, but I could see the value, so I did it. Then when someone had a question, I pointed to the database. Is that example particularly creative? Nah. Still, anytime you bring something into existence that that didn't exist before, you're strengthening your creative skills because you're looking for gaps, asking questions, clarifying pain points, and taking initiative. Wow. Your challenge today, see if you can go with your what-if impulse the tiniest bit, even if the concept at hand seems beyond challenging, out of scope, or too pie in the sky. Stay curious and consider if there's any way you could work toward that thought in some capacity. I love her. Yeah. I love her. Okay, Lisa. That's the book. Was, was there anything that you put into practice from this book? Um, what did I put? Um, yeah, I feel like uh, I loved the idea of like thinking about your gut. I definitely trust my gut, but starting to like name it and identify it was really interesting. Yeah, to get more specific because it goes from being an intuition sort of thing to an awareness, which is cool. Yeah, and I feel like I do that in a longer process of like an emotional reaction. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Yes. And I had a couple chances this week to do that and really identify yeah. like what happened. Yes. And I set some boundaries. And you got to think about it and process it, but maybe in practicing identifying that all the time, yeah. you'd come to those conclusions even sooner. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. What did this author get right? I think what she got right was giving people choice mm-hmm. on how they do this, yes. even within the challenges. Yes. It isn't regimented. It isn't, this is how it worked for me. It'll have to work for you. It, and acknowledging her privilege and calling out uh, the need for intersectionality. It took till 2019, but damn it. She's liter- She's the first person that I've seen it done in such a comprehensive way, other than Love Jai. Yeah. Who was writing about intersectionality yes who was literally writing about intersectionality but this woman is thinking about it and it just we've we've begged it just takes a sentence just a sentence and she all she did but putting in that sentence matters changes the way that i hear her message yes thank you changes the way that a lot of people hear her message yeah or reminds them oh other people might not have it the same way yeah or or makes me think about her differently it makes me think of her as inclusive or just aware of her own privilege right so what did she get wrong? You know, in the health section, too, like, I wondered if, you know, drink more water. Okay, fine. But Thank not you. everybody has that. And, like, eat less sugar. Okay, fine. But also, like, don't tell people what to yeah. do. In health, it's hard. You know, yeah. breathing and, it's and like, you're yoga. you're not a doctor. And, and, yeah. You know? Yeah. I, for me, as I get more and more into, like, um, body liberation and like fat acceptance movements yeah, and yes, that. Yes. Whenever you 
make any food bad or you make any food good, even like when you you're getting do organic in, yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're making a classist system in food and there are uh-huh. people who don't have access to that. So Thank it's you. Like, it's a yeah. problem. It's a problem. Yeah. And it's we don't like thinking about that because we've been fed a certain brain fed, a certain way of thinking about. Sure, sure. But, you and know. it does feel like this book still would have been wildly useful had we just lifted that section right out of it. Yeah, right? or just health things about like, you know, she had breathing, she had meditation. She did have body acceptance. Body, she did, yeah. you know, so so for me, those felt incongruent. Sure. But, you know, she's coming from like a medicine, a Western medicine, yeah. and then more of like a body acceptance yeah. movement. And who is this book perfect for? I think if you are starting off in your career, you're in like your 20s and you... um you know, or you're feeling lost or your 30s, you're feeling like, I don't know what is going on and you don't like self-help books, mm-hmm. This, these, each of these challenges, as you can see, is one page. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's a very quick read. You it's don't great. have to read it all at once. You right. can pick and you choose. You can kind of just flip it open you sure and could. see what's right there. As you are ready, which is what right. I think she also got right, is that she made it to meet you where you're at. Yeah, and it seems like, oh, cool, I can pull this off. I can cherry pick what's useful. Yeah. That I being love said, that. It's also not a book. Right. It's not really a book. It's like a hand guide. Right. Yeah. The guide. Um, And who's it terrible for? People who are looking for someone to guide them to how to do things. Right. So she kind of lays the groundwork and then lets you explore. Yeah. She sort of thought provokes. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. if you're like, I don't know how to forgive someone, Mm -hmm. she's not the therapist who's going to help you do it. Right. She's not the person who's going to say, this is how I did it. Yes. And this is how it'll work for you. Yes. So that's not it. That's great. Um, and do you have a, a homework assignment for me? I sure I'll do. Challenge. I sure do. It's a real good one for you. Oh, I also said this is practical, Patty, to the nth degree. Oh, very yeah. Midwestern, yep. which I loved. Misty. Lise. Your challenge, should you choose to accept it, is from the section of um, lifestyle, part one. Okay. Challenge nine. Have fun. Okay. Medium challenge. Give yourself permission to not be productive. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All sorts of life hacks intended to help you use your time. Productivity makes us feel good, but sometimes making a decision or taking an action doesn't need to be, quote, productive. Uh-huh. We're accustomed to categorizing our choices as entirely productive or pointless. Yes. This is a false juxtaposition, yes. especially when it comes to your own sense of play, fun, and happiness. Yes. Plenty of choices exist in the latter category that are worth doing and exploring. And in the same breath, you can do a hell of a lot of productive things that aren't very, quote, meaningful at all. Think about what you like to do as a kid. Or if you're around kids, think about what they might do in terms of playing and having fun in a, quote, non-adult way. It can be planned. It can be totally spontaneous. Um, and then she gives an example of how her uh, husband and she were cooking dinner and then there was a FedEx box that had bubble wrap and then they just like threw it down on the carpet and started popping bubble wrap. She's like, you know that. what? We had a blast. Yeah. Here's the try this. Pick an evening where you have nothing going on. No plans, no commitments, no truly serious ob- obligations taken into consideration. Good yep. luck. Yeah. <laughs> then refrain from doing anything productive like household chores or meal prep or catching up on work. You're going to probably feel guilty like you're wasting time, which you are. That's the point. Yes. You can afford to spend a couple hours as a human being, not a human doing. Thank you. For every impulse to do something or shift into work or be status, tell yourself, my only job is to be myself tonight. I love that. And there's there's more and more science coming out, like from the self-driven child, 
that radical downtime, as they called it, helps us process life's experiences. You have to synthesize. Your brain you have has to, to synthesize. synthesize. And, and I did take like an evening off this last weekend and my happiness level skyrocketed the next oh day. Thank you. So I'm going to, I am going to try and incorporate this. I might even try to incorporate it a couple weeks in a row. I like that. Thanks girl. Up in that uh, difficulty. Thanks girl. This was amazing. Super fun. Would you say uh, that the challenges in this book are like life? I would say that they're Abundant. Abundant. Goodbye. I saw what you did there. Thank you. Yeah. Go Help Yourself, a comedy self-help podcast to make life suck less, was produced by Misty Stinnett, Lisa Linky, and Matt Sav. Our theme song was also written by Matt Sav. He's amazing. <laughs> do you want to get in touch? You do. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And you know you can also find us on the social medias. Instagram at gohelpyourselfpodcast. Twitter at GHY Podcast or check out our website, gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. And if you liked our podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes to help other people discover our show. It's really the least you can do. And why don't you tell all of your friends? Bye! Bye.